terrorize the world. Hello everyone, I'm Brian. And I'm Nick, and you're listening to the podcast from the Black Lagoon. Today we are talking about Doctor Sleep. This movie is so interesting to me because it has to find a way to, at, at one point, seem like a viable successor to Kubrick's The Shining, but it also be far more faithful to the Stephen King books that it's actually referencing. Because The Shining got, you know, it took a lot of liberties. And Stephen King doesn't write like Kubrick directs. They're, they're two very different animals. So yeah, I was really excited to see this. It's such a, like a, I don't know, it's a cinematic experiment almost to see how you can do this. And uh, I have a lot of thoughts about the movie that I'm happy to dive into. I, I look forward to hearing how you thought about it too, because we've both been um, purposely yeah, not I'm talking very... about it for the past week so we can get a fresh take on it. But... There, there's so much to like and not like about this movie. It's just the perfect film to talk about. So where, do you want to start? How about your feelings with it or, or anything like that? Um, overall, I honestly, I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed this film uh, a little bit more than I enjoyed Shining. <clears throat> wow, really? Cool. Y- yeah. Uh, not to say that The Shining, you know, wasn't a iconic horror film because it was, uh, but The Shining wasn't really necessarily my all-time favorite in the the horror genre. Um, but mm-hmm. for some reason, Mike Flanagan has like this way of directing a horror film and he just makes it look so good and eerie yeah. and makes sure. makes the viewer feel tense at certain points of the film now i kind of there was a, there were a few points in this movie where i laughed i laughed mm-hmm. so fucking hard uh and they weren't jokes. They normally no, they weren't someone jokes. taking themselves a bit too seriously. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I really uh, was it when we start the movie, we follow little Danny Torrance mm-hmm. when he was a little kid after after the Shining um, incident with his father. Uh, and and, and by moved. the way, I believe those were reshoots with the new actors. And wow, they did a great job. That wasn't footage from the original movie. They did reshoots with um, the, the talk- newer you, actors that they had. You talking about the the what? flashback scenes when uh, yeah, when older Danny uh, goes back to the uh, the hotel. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there were some flashbacks weaved throughout the whole film, mm-hmm. but at the very beginning of the film, we also see <laughs> Danny on his on his big wheels. And they just oh, yeah. refilmed. They yeah. refilmed in, in Mike Flanagan's modern style, and they nailed nailed the atmosphere at uh, the atmosphere of The Shining. Yeah. And well, I again, I, I, there's so much I want to say. I just I don't want to immediately uh, jump into like a, there, a ten minute so the, ramble. But I want to hear your thoughts first. There, there's a part where uh, you, you remember the, you remember the old uh, old hag that's been uh, torturing Danny. 
Um, mm-hmm. And she's always in the bathroom and stuff. I, I just, for some reason, I thought it was so funny to see Danny just get up from watching cartoons, walk on over to the bathroom, and then see the old hag just, like, smiling. And then Danny just closes the door oh, behind yeah. him. I get it. And the hag screams, and all I could imagine was Danny beating the shit out of her. (laughs) They were going for this, like, um, really just, like, emboldened little kid. Like, someone who found his power. Mm -hmm. He's looking at what was an iconic scene in the original Shining film. You could tell they actually edited it a lot in the intro flashback. I guess because it was more of a dream, where she just appears out of the dark doorway when, in the actual film, he walks into the or, or rather jack torrance walks into the into the bathroom and she gets up and walks towards him and it's this great scene when when danny um walks into the bathroom when he sees her in his home not the overlook hotel what i like about that is that he walks in calm as ever and he turns his back on her and closes the door and it's, there's so much confidence in it but That's ultimately just... i get i get what you're saying it's like it almost feels like uh in those spoof horror films where there's something demonic and scary going on, but nobody cares. It almost like scary has that, movie? Like, yeah, it's just like, the, the, the creature's like, I'm here, hello, and they're just like, oh yeah, yeah, hold on, we'll get to you in a minute. It, it feels like they're just kind of pushing it off. Yeah. Um, I kind of got that feeling. They, they returned to that type of scene a few times, and I think overall it worked for me, especially the idea that he turns his back on it. I like the idea that there's that much confidence and they managed to do that and it was still creepy for right. me her as just a as a as an entity in this film was creepy and that's probably one of the only things that was remotely creepy for, creepy for me out of the entire film and i wasn't going into it like oh i want this to scare me i wanted it to really do justice to the source material and i wanted yeah. it to be a, a good time i didn't really i'm not ranking it on how scary or dreadful it is and i'm not ranking it on a scale of how much it was like the shining because i love the shining because no film has really captured that much dread except for the thing for me yeah it's a quiet movie and it is filled with the deepest most nihilistic secluded dread i've ever seen in a film and most modern films don't do that except for their exceptions like i think um the witch and midsummer tried to kind of capture something like that but um, the, the type of filmmaking that we do now tends to be more overtly narrative-driven, and a lot of stuff happens in a short period of time, and it makes for great movies. And I think Flanagan brought that side to the table and still recaptured some of the kind of ambience of The Shining that I think worked really well. However, I am not a, really a fan of Stephen King's writing, Actually, I love him as a person. I, I, he has a great book called On Writing that I've been reading lately, and he's just a great human being and a talented writer. I don't like his type of stories, though. To me, yeah. they come off as silly very often, and I don't think that's something I can safely say without our without having your head, me, but without having your head torn off by ravenous Stephen yeah. King fans. I have to agree yes, with you, though. I, I'm not a big. I, fan. I love the guy. Like you're not alone. I just find his writing to be silly. I, I think it's very. <laughs> It's very, like, kind of 70s, because he tries to be funny, and he is funny. He weaves music into it and a lot of little, like, awkward situations, and and that works. And it's not like he does it accidentally. He knows what he's doing. Right. And he's found a very great niche, and he's talented. I just personally don't... I, I want my horror to be just, like, punching me in the face scary and dreadful and dark and horrible. And 
um, he he takes a different approach to horror, which is also great. But um, so, and, and I guess what I mean by that is there was a moment in the third act of this movie, and I hope our listeners bear with us because we're going to jump around and be kind of vague. If you haven't watched the movie yet, I recommend you watch it because you'll get the most out of it if you go into it not knowing too much. I agree. But um, <laughs> we're not going to do like a full movie summary here. Hopefully you've seen it or you're familiar with the material. But um, in near the third act, where um, Danny goes to the Overlook Hotel. That was probably the most compelling part of the entire film for me. And it was quiet. Not much was going on. It wasn't just fan service of, oh, look, do you remember that door? Oh, look, do you remember this hallway? They rebuilt that. They they rebuilt it from the ground up. It felt pure dread and what's going to happen. And then they throw all of it down the drain when they returned to the girl in the car, and I remembered, oh, wait, there's a woman with a top hat chasing them to drink their steam. Or, oh, my God. They're shining. No, and Danny, well, don't they call it steam, the Shine. soul, when it comes out of them? She says, oh, the steam gets purified. Um, what did, there's a word that she used for it that wasn't shining. I forget what it was. But, um, but there, there was this, man, talk about... A bad finale. Maybe we shouldn't jump here, but I have to. I need to talk about it. I feel like the, we the should. The end of it. Okay. I mean, I'm going <laughs> to, but I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I really want to, because it was such a big moment for me in this film where I just thought, oh, man, that does it. I guess I didn't like the movie. Dominique watches these CW shows that I listen to in the background. And I always mm-hmm. talk about these on our podcast because it's not great writing. And it feels like a lot of modern horror films compressed into like 12 episodes a season. The end of this movie, which was very well made, a very well made movie, very well acted movie, make no mistake. The Mm -hmm. script was kind of hard to execute, especially in the there's one line where Ewan McGregor says, keep on shining, Abra, keep shining. Oh, my. It was probably one of the worst things I've ever heard in a long time. Hey, if you love what you've been hearing so far, please consider supporting Nick and I on Patreon. We put loads of work into all of the podcasts that we do, and we've created our own little network. So you can be one of our first supporters. Just go over to Patreon, to the Black Lagoon Network. That's patreon.com slash BLN. You can support all of our shows there. However, the end of this movie, they literally take the CW show approach where Danny boxes up all of the horrors of the Overlook Hotel and unleashes them all at once on on the the lady in the top hat while they slowly eat her. And that felt like the, the weakest and easiest way to possibly do that. I don't feel like it did any justice to... And maybe it was in the book. I still don't like it. I felt like that completely detracts all of the nuance and complexity of the original film that made it so scary by just being this little horror show at the very end. We're like, oh, and now all of the horrors are coming back. It felt like it's way too easy for a sequel to do that. And then they all like menacingly look at Danny and start chasing him afterwards. It turned what what were scary and nuanced creatures in, in the first film into like disposable background characters of just dumb things that are apparently supposed to be scary, but they can be released and captured at whim. And I thought it was so weak. And I it really seriously took me out of it and and i don't know man that 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 felt like some of the weakest writing i've seen in a long time in a movie that's better than most of the horror films i've seen in a long time it stuck out like a sore thumb the movie was also what three hours long there's a lot to love about it 
there really is but yeah. that seriously derailed the entire film and again that might be part of the books but boy i, I did believe, not like it it felt I, so I, poorly executed yeah i don't i don't know i didn't really feel bothered by it i was kind of it's kind of shocked but uh when Danny Torrance is like standing at the the top of the the stairs. All I could think of was he has the high ground, and uh, then yeah. <laughs> and then Rose the Hat fucking stabs him with the axe in his leg, his femoral artery, and mm-hmm. he falls down the flight of stairs. I'm like, but you had the high ground. Well, <laughs> what the fuck? Come on, man. Um. I'm just making Star Wars ref- uh, Star Wars jokes here and there, you know. You call it The Shining, but in reality, it's actually The Force. The Force. Shit like that. While, while you were talking, I something clicked for me. I, I think the reason I didn't like that unopening all the boxes at once scene, firstly, it became obvious that that's what he was going to do the whole movie. The moment he boxed the first thing, Dominique said, oh, they're going to release those at the end in a climax. And I said, yep, you bet. And it happened, and it's like, wow, it took two hours for them to get us to that point. We weren't expecting it. But again, the writing was so good. I I don't want to detract from what is clearly a really good horror Mm -hmm. film. This was great. So many things about it were great. I just felt like the story was really weak, and I think I figured out why while you were talking. It's the fact that the plot was very writerly. I hope people will excuse my dog noisily eating kibble in the background while I talk. But the, the plot line was very writerly. It felt like you're reading a book, because that stuff works in books. It's hard to execute that on a film, especially in this gigantic climax where you have lines like, keep shining, Abra, keep shining. That works at the end of a book, because, but when you have Ewan McGregor say it, even a talented actor cannot pull it off without me laughing at him. It's really hard to do. And scenes like this that are like these perfect moral wrap-ups of yeah. like, he was... He was tortured by his past, and now he unleashed his past to haunt a bigger threat. Oh, it's so motivational and wonderful. That works in a book. God, it does not work in a modern movie. That really, really did not work for me. And I mean, I want to stop talking about it so we have a more substantive conversation. It's not yeah. just me harping on one thing. But I can, I can I kind of see <laughs> why you. I can kind of see why you didn't like it. For me, it didn't really bother me all, all that much. I just, I kind of got sad that you know danny fucking dies spoiler alert um (laughs) god damn it nick spoiling it for everybody um but at the same time you kind of get comfort in knowing that he's not really gone he's just moved on to the like i guess next plane of existence (laughs) um which, uh, I think, uh, can't remember his name, and, uh, I feel wrong for saying the black character, but, um, the one that taught, uh, Danny when he was younger about Shining, the first yeah, the, one to come in contact right. with him, I think that was the same actor from The Shining, mm-hmm. was it? Yeah, and he, he looked, I don't know if it's the same exact guy, but oh my god, he looked perfect he looked exactly like yeah the the guy from the original shining maybe because it was but even if it was it's an old movie he he looks good he looked like he didn't age yeah it was awesome i I think they pulled that off really well the girl who played danny's mom nailed it Mm -hmm. 
The I've, actress she was trying to imitate, that's not an easy actress to imitate. She has a lot of like personality and, and very unique facial features that made it such a riveting experience in the real Shining film. When they redid the scene with the axe coming through the door and she had the knife and was shaking, I was blown away at how well it was done. Yeah. The casting was superb. It kind of makes really was. it kind of makes you want like a sort of like a remake of The Shining, but then again, I, that, I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know. that's hard. It'd be kind of interesting, like because I'm I'm partial when it comes to remakes to a degree because I would love to see what it would be like for a modern thing to to. Oh, yeah. you know be a movie but then again nothing will ever touch john carpenter's the thing um and then again they'd probably fuck it all up but um my probably my favorite scene uh besides the god Besides all the flashbacks from the Overlook Hotel and stuff, uh, I would probably have to say I really enjoyed uh, when he sits down at the bar in the Overlook Hotel and he's having a conversation with uh, a ghost that looks like his dad. I thought that was pretty uh, spooky and uh, just like... Is very, I don't know. I I can't I can't really like describe what I was feeling at the time, but it kind of had a smile on my face because even though yeah. it's not Jack Nicholson, you you understand who that's supposed to be, uh, which I think I think the cast he was handled very well. Yeah. He he was handled very well, especially with uh, young Danny and. Uh, oh, fuck, I forgot the mother's name. I feel horrible. <laughs> It's all right. Um, but if I were to... Do you remember to, that bar scene from I the really, original Shining film? Hmm? Do you remember that bar scene from the original Shining film? Most of the the scenes inside the Overlook that Danny was going through were callbacks to what Jack did in the original Shining, including the whole bar scene, and then he goes into that red bathroom. Yeah. They did a... I, I think it was pretty good. If you watch the Shining sequences... Hi, Maple. If you watch the Shining sequences in the bar, I think it's decidedly more dreadful. And when he goes into the bathroom, there's this weird, mysterious vibe throughout the whole thing that's creepy. And I think the Flanagan's version of this with Danny was still really good, but I couldn't buy into the moral dilemmas. It Like this whole, like, like the take a drink scene felt significantly less interesting to me and... and I had trouble feeling or sympathizing with Danny because I felt like his character was a little bit too 2D. Like, they, they kept telling us that he has a hard life and they kept telling us that we should feel bad for him, but they didn't really show it in a convincing way. In the same way, they kept they didn't show us why he was Dr. Sleep. He just helped one guy die, and then everyone said, oh, they call you Dr. Sleep, you know, don't they? It's like, wow, nuance. That right? just reminded and, me, and I don't mean to, like, stop you in your tracks. No, you're good. But, you probably um, should. <laughs> You remember when he was talking about uh, his mother dying and how she was covered in flies and yes. the sign of a fly yes. was uh, the sign of death? What really bothers me about the scene where he's working in the hospital and uh, the, the old man is sitting there and the cat is there 
and he's like, oh, I'm going to die. Where the fuck were the flies? Like, isn't he supposed to be covered in flies if if he's... That's interesting. Now, being towards yeah, death? my understanding was, I think flies are a sign of death and all of that, yes. But his mother was so... Maybe she lived such like a tragic life that there were so many over her face that he couldn't even see her. And I, you're right. There, there seems to be a bit of an inconsistency there. I don't think he was supposed to be like head to toe covered. I think it has something to do with the life you lived and, you know, writers like that sim- symbolism. So I'm sure there's some rule of thumb in there that King gave it. But yeah. the, um, man, I, I want so badly to record an episode where I'm just saying, Flanagan, you took on one of the hardest movies to possibly do a sequel to and you did it justice. Because I mean it. He really did. Even Stephen, this was very even well Stephen made. King enjoyed this film, which he didn't yeah, enjoy The Shining at all. He didn't like right, Cooper's Right, because The Shining, didn't, it didn't have much to do with his book. Yeah. Right? But this had a lot to do with his book, and it makes perfect sense to me that why he liked this. But it, I want to give so I want to give props to Mike Flanagan for doing what he did, because I'm not sure this might be the best possible version of a sequel we could have gotten today. I'm not, I don't know who else could have done much of a better job. I just it, really was not... There are just so many things that fell flat for me, regardless. Well, I, you know, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. It gives nods to both Kubrick's film and yeah. uh, Stephen King's novels. It is what it is. I kind of feel like uh, Ian Ewan McGregor, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, I feel... <laughs> Like, don't get me wrong, I like him as an actor. I just... All, all I can think of when when I see him, especially in this film, uh, which is a pretty serious film in itself, all I can think of is Star Wars or uh, the Winnie the Pooh movie that he was in. Um, oh, really? Yeah, he played uh, Robin. Uh, yeah, is this because is this just like a personal thing, or did you feel like his his acting wasn't it's not unique to Danny Torrance? Did you feel like it was like it's not his acting? I, I just feel like it kind of took me out of the experience. The fact that he was the, the fact that he's been in other movies, or maybe he he wasn't playing a significantly differentiated character. Uh. It's probably the other films that kind of took me. Okay. I, I don't know. Maybe By I'm being way. I'm being too picky, uh, being a picky little cunt, and <laughs> I should just get I should just get over it. Which I agree, ladies and gentlemen. I should get over the fact that Ewan McGregor. I don't I don't even know if I could say his name correctly without <laughs> stuttering, for the life of me. Uh, I I did pick up on some like. And maybe I think this is writing because I know he's a good actor. But mm-hmm. again, I never really felt that much for him. And there's a I think I read this review in The Guardian or maybe it was on the Roger Ebert site. But um, somebody said that this is the first movie that made you feel for Danny Torrance. And I don't have any idea where that came from because it, it felt very much like a like troubled kid. Guess what? Oh, he's waking up and he's, he's doing drugs and stealing money from a mother with her baby. And look what circumstances are doing to him. And it felt like they were shoving down, you should feel sorry for him, down our throats, but not actually doing I something think, to really make us feel sorry for him. I think, it felt way too, like, on the script it worked. But in execution, I was just like, 
this is what they think Danny grew up into. Okay, I can kind of buy it, but I don't know. I kind oh, excuse me. Um, I kind of feel like the fact that this is a uh, a book that is turned into a movie. They kind of it kind of feels like forced exposition. Yes, I think you're right. Just to fill in gaps to let us know, like, oh, this is what's going on. This is why you should feel for this character. And it's done a lot better in the novel than it is on film. Because if we were to to take every single page from the book, the movie would be, like, fucking more than three hours. It would probably be doubled that. Yeah, if anything. yeah, I mean, this is this was a decidedly difficult thing to do, to turn a book into a movie, then also pay homage to The Shining. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, it's a minefield. And again, Flanagan, awesome job. I hate that I have so many criticisms of this movie because most of them are shallow, and it's me unfairly comparing it to The Shining. But um, he did a great job. He really did. I just... Do you, um, do you remember a movie called Oculus? Yes, I did. What did you think of that movie? I thought it was okay. There was all this buzz around it, and I watched it, and I thought it was fine. And then Dominique and I moved on with our lives after watching it, and then out of nowhere, that became people's like favorite movie ever. And I was like, "What did I miss? I need to rewatch this thing." <laughs> My dog's like barking at me. She she liked it too, I think. But I just I clearly missed something. I watched it and didn't feel that was Mike. Fan- that that was him as well. Yeah, I didn't like. Yeah, wasn't that one of his like? I didn't like. Was Oculus. that his debut movie? It was at least his debut to the public. But I think it was his first. I didn't. Movie. Really? All right. I mean, he made a huge, a lot of buzz when that came out, but I watched it and thought, eh, okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's something that we're missing or something like that. Like, it's supposed to be, like, deep or whatever, but... I- yeah, a lot of horror movies always do this, like, like something happened to them when they died, and now they're coming back, and they're going to use their childhood trauma to fight a present danger, and it's so deep and philosophical. It's like, no, it isn't. It's Screenwriting 101, where you just have something happen and then have them reverse that and then use it in a climax and it, it always right. feels heavy-handed and writerly and, and fake yeah and there should be if you really want to like tackle the human experience if that's your grandiose movie writing idea do it with a lot of nuance there are a lot of new movies that do it very well and and there are a lot of old movies that have done it very well and i think you end up detracting from that goal when you make it a little bit too um I guess I keep using the word writerly. That's the best way I can, I can think to explain it. But this very much, if something happened in the past, it has to come back in the future and it's all of the symbolism and the flies and all of this. Yeah. So like, th- th- There's a point of heavy-handedness where it, I think the, the good writing betrays itself. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw that in, in Dr. Sleep a lot. So if you were to, I don't know, uh, like if you had a favorite character in this movie... Who, who would your favorite character be? That's an interesting question. Um, honestly, this is unfair and it sounds like a fake answer. The the young boy who played Danny Torrance. I I was going to say... Oh like, my God. <laughs> I was going to say, you he, know, it can be uh, past or present characters. Okay. I He didn't, he clearly didn't have that much screen time, but there it was a very nuanced performance. He was a kid actor, first off. And he really nailed, like, the the mannerisms of a young Danny Torrance. And again, so did his mom. She nailed the mannerisms of that actress, who was, again, decidedly difficult to represent in a film like this. 
that impressed me just from an acting level. I'm not even talking about like how great they were in the story itself. It just, I liked seeing them because they were doing such a crazy good job. I was like, how do you recast that? How could you? And they pulled it off yeah, with, they did. with flying colors. Um, now, if I were looking at an actual character, I, it wouldn't be Abra, the, the, the young magician with the ironic name. It, it wouldn't be, it probably wouldn't even be Danny, God, because I didn't even some of it felt really self-pitying. <laughs> Oh yeah, Abra. I mean, again, very writerly, very Stephen kind Kingish. Of, again, he's a great writer, but come on. <laughs> it's a Pokemon name too, Abra. Is it really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I'd probably have to say my favorite character would have to be Rose the Hat, the the antagonist. Ooh. Okay. Uh, I just really liked her aesthetic. I, I like the way she, that For, that, I, that she dresses and stuff you know the little little hat she kind of had like a hippie feel to her uh but just not very a nice hippie yeah. um i i want to give that the actress who played her did oh. such an incredible job <laughs> however i thought the whole get up and everything she felt very stephen kingy and very detached from the atmosphere yeah. they were going for that's what i meant by silly I found her to be very detached from that world and kind of like forced edgy and I, I didn't I didn't it never worked for me but that said the lines she had to deliver were pretty rough that actress somehow pulled it off she did there were scenes job. where she was supposed to be this like this like dark specter of, of, of whatever aesthetic she was going for and somehow she pulled off lines that in anybody else's mouth would have been cringeworthy. And she, like, I was like, okay, wow, clear acting chops right here. That's great. But the fact is, like, I don't think you should have to engage in such an, up, such an uphill battle with, with voicing your dialogue like that. It just felt, I, I don't know, I didn't like it. I, I found her to be one of the, like, hot spots of, of kind of cringy writerly stuff but again i she was in the book this is probably a lore friendly character who has the top hat's very important to her and all of this stuff and that's just me having superficial remarks as somebody who is not deeply invested in the source material i'm a guy who liked the shining and went to watch this film which is the type of person that flanagan was probably trying to half please by doing all these homages to the original film which i liked i thought it was great again great film i need to keep saying that because i i, I I don't want to not give him credit because he did the hardest thing I could imagine anybody doing today. But um, yeah, the actress was very talented. It was a hard role to pull off because I think in anybody else's hands, that would have been really hard to sit through, frankly. So another thing that made me laugh about this movie, uh, the name Crow Daddy. Mm, Yeah. Crow Daddy. When I heard that Crow name Daddy. get called out, all I could do was just sit there and cackle. Like, I had to pause the movie and just, <laughs> and, like, I had tears, like, running down my face. It, it Just, Crow Daddy, are you kidding me? Mm. It's like, yeah, that's like a sex nickname that, that you would give your partner. <laughs> oh, let it rain down on me, Crow, Crow Daddy. Daddy. Okay. Crow Daddy, cough for me. Interesting. <laughs> Don't don't judge my sex life, my non-existent sex life. Hey. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I recognized um, another character 
uh, another one of the uh, bad antagonists um, from uh, words, sir. <laughs> words are very important. Uh, do you remember Grandpa Flick? No. Uh, speaking of uh, sex partners, um, the, the old man that fucking dies when he hasn't been eating well, like he hasn't been eating the shine okay, yes. well. Um, he was in uh, Gerald's Game. Do you, do you remember uh, what, yep. what the, Mr. F- Fetish? Um, the Moonlight Man. God, what a cool movie. That was such a good movie. So good. And... Uh, our, I believe that's our highest viewed uh, episode on YouTube as of yeah. as of right now. We're we're hitting like five hundred and fifty something right now. Currently, yeah, that's um, good for us, man. I, I I'm happy. That's it's yeah. we're getting close to a thousand views on that. So rock on. Um, uh, yeah, uh, which Mike. Mike Flanagan also directed that film. Such a good movie. Uh, and he, that, that film shows he's perfectly capable of quiet dread, which is what The Shining was and he's, in its essence. And he's capable of handling Stephen King's uh, oh, material. Yeah. So... Yes. So, like, because I... To be honest, I'm not a huge fan of Stephen King adapted films either. Like, I'm really not, besides, like, Maximum Overdrive, which was a really good film. If you haven't seen that, then that's probably a uh, another film that we have to review, regardless if you've seen it or not. Um, great soundtrack, uh, very interesting premise, and I think it would be pretty cool to see a remake off of that film. Um, so like a modern take of that, that'd be pretty cool. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, Dr. Sleep. It, it, it's a long movie with a lot of acts and a lot of, a lot of subplots and things. Normally we would really kind of break down the film and talk about each individual part. If we did that here, we'd be here forever. I would love to. So we, we kind of just took the parts that stuck out, but yeah. there, there's a lot that goes on and it, it felt like two distinct movies. Um, and honestly, despite its very long runtime, I never felt bored. And despite actually laughing at the screen during some lines, Crow-dabby. I never hated it. And, and despite there being... <sighs> Frankly, like, I just think bad choices with some of the stuff that they put in the film. Mm-hmm. I always respected it and liked it. There's nothing about this. I would not. I wouldn't not recommend this movie. I, I would. I would happily advise. I would tell anybody to watch Doctor Sleep because if if nothing else, it is a really fascinating movie because of what it had, like the world it had to exist in, mm-hmm. which is a post The Shining world. And a you know Stephen King crazed world, and you know how do you make a sequel to this movie today? It's crazy. What a minefield! And he nailed it. I, I really do. I really do think it was an excellent film that achieved a lot. And despite it not living up to some of my personal tastes, I'm I'm not the ultimate conscience of what constitutes a good movie or not. I'm a guy who has opinions, so it doesn't matter if 
some things rubbed me the wrong way. I, I saw that it was a very well-made movie by a really talented director and really great actors. So I've got nothing but love for Flanagan in the movie. Um, I would have taken it a different route, but I think it's seriously Ooh. an achievement. Ooh. Even if I probably I would, will never rewatch it again. I would love, I would love to see a uh, Doctor Sleep directed by Brian Geiger. That'd be that'd be <laughs> a pretty interesting film. <laughs> <laughs> see what a, somebody with zero talent and zero education about what it takes to direct a movie direct one of the most like controversial and difficult films ever. It, it would be a train wreck. I want to play. <laughs> I want to play Rose be. the Hat. Like a gi- oh, that would be. <laughs> oh, have you? That would be wonderful to just miss, like miscast everybody, <laughs> and then to have them engage in like a really dramatic inner exchange. That would like be make it really very great. serious, but like a slight tone of comedic undertones. Yeah, that would do be it. perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, f- I, oh, I don't even know what else to talk about. Oh. Speaking of favorite scenes, besides the bar scene, I can't believe I forgot this. The shootout. The shootout was so fucking intense. Yeah, that was actually really well done. Um, not many horror... Like, if when you're watching a horror movie, normally it's like, oh, they get the horror right, but everything else kind of feels underbaked. The action <laughs> sequences in this film, expertly done, expertly filmed, um, paced... The shootout was intense, especially uh, that and that, that that's... ending part where uh, yes, Snakebite tells Billy to fucking kill himself. I was mm-hmm. I, I I just I stared at the screen. And I was like, no, no, why, why, yeah. God, why? And that was yeah, that was a very intense very, scene. Like, uh, definitely, everything about the movie felt really consequential. That's one thing I liked about it. If there's going to be a shootout, somebody is actually going to die. And it's actually going to move the the story forward. It's not going to be like, oh, it happened just because we needed to get people interested again. It's like, no, it has a purpose. It's going to change the the fabric of the story moving forward. That is great screenwriting. And I always trusted that whatever awkward situation the movie may have thrown us in, it's going to have a purpose, even if I don't agree with how they did it. Always. And it always did. It was, I mean, having that character shoot himself... It didn't feel like he was introduced just for that scene. It felt like a genuine loss to the film. Yeah. It was great. What a what a great sequence. Because he helped. I was also thinking, I thought you were going to tell us about the... Oh. Yes, I know, because he was just such a selfless character. And the hand sequence, I thought you were going to bring up. The hand sequence. Because that reminded me of the Gerald's Game hand sequence. Remember when in Gerald's Game, she was trying to free herself from the handcuff and her skin started tearing off? Uh. And tendons and... It was, Ooh. Oh man, we had a great fuss about oh. it in our, in the podcast oh, episode. Oh, anyway, trust oh, me, that happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. You're talking about Rose the Hat. Um, oh my god. And then yeah, the, that made Rose me the Hat cringe. had one when I think the cabinet closed on her hand, and she. Yeah. I think Mike Flanagan has a um, has a fucking fetish for hands being flayed. <laughs> like that's the second time I've seen something that grotesque come from his yeah. his films there's some mike I, mike what mr Flan- again, it was all really heavy hitting <laughs> mr flanagan like i, I <laughs> there's something I love that there's it, something wrong with it you. wasn't yeah <laughs> it wasn't just oh she got her hand caught in the cabinet it looks like this little girl is powerful moving on it was like no she tore her hand in half and then 
like teleported or, or just un un I, I don't even know I don't have the terminology to talk about her little metaphysical trips but she un she escaped that little trance teleportation thing and was back in camp and she was holding trips. up her hand and it was just like a, a bloody mess mm-hmm. of skin and tendons and and then it slowly like healed itself over time but had these deep scars in it I just liked that all of the sequences weren't just like, oh, and now we've established Abra is powerful and resourceful. Oh, Rosie the Hat was too confident, and then she got sent back to camp. They didn't do that. It was like everything felt heavy-hitting, consequential. The effect of everything that happened bled into the other acts. Very, very well done. Um, And even the scene where um, she got the axe into into Danny's, I think, shoulder? No, it was was his leg. And then... His femoral I thought there artery. Were two hits. One, it doesn't. Yeah, he, both of all of the axe swingings felt like, oh, they're making impact and really, yeah, getting in there. It's hard to do that in a film without it just feeling detached, like like you're fighting in Skyrim, where you're apparently swinging a dwarven hammer at, at some massive creature, but it's just like swinging it at midair and it never stops or impacts with anything. It's like that's normally what it feels like in excuse that reference. That's normally what it feels like in movies. <laughs> but here it really felt like you're making some tangible hit. That's tough to do, and it yeah. it made the film that much more enjoyable. Um, I think we're pretty much done. I mean, we probably dove into less than one percent of this movie, but I, I think our overall feelings about it came through pretty strongly. I I have so much respect that this was attempted. And I think it's the best it could have been. I just wasn't ready and didn't want a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it. I think they did a great job, even though I'm probably never going to watch it again. Uh, props to Flanagan and everyone involved, because it was pretty, pretty good. Yeah, I I have to agree. I enjoyed every single second of the, of the film. Uh, caught a few references here and there. I, I enjoyed it overall. Mike Flanagan did an amazing fucking job. Oh, kudos to him. Um, other than that, I have uh, nothing really else to say. Crow Daddy. Crow Daddy. Oh, such a fucking Except for Crow Daddy. All right. Weird name. Other than that, uh, thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, if you like what we do, you can. Go ahead and support us on YouTube, Spotify, Google Plays, iTunes, Anchor. Anchor is a big one that will really help us out. If you're already listening to us on Anchor, uh, we have plenty more episodes that you can listen to. Uh, Other than that, uh, keep on shining. (laughs) Keep on shining, yes. We love doing these. We've got a lot more movies planned. Oh, but you danced at the wrong time, man. Now it's going to be an awkward outro. Keep on shining. There you go. (laughs) Keep on shining. You keep going. Thanks for watching, guys. We've got a lot planned in the future. Keep watching. And we've got an archive of like 26 episodes now. It's growing. So there's plenty more to dive into if you want to. And um, we we don't have one on The Shining, do we? We never did an Mm -hmm. episode on that. I think we tried to a few times and just never did it so maybe that's something in the future yeah look forward to that definitely all right well stay tuned we've got plenty more planned and hopefully we'll see you there bye bye